Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, the Boyden podcast that reaches the parts other podcasts don't reach. I'm Alan Marks, and I'm here in the pod as always with Alan Parry. Hello, Alan. Hello, everybody. Alan's about to go away on holiday. You all packed, Alan? Uh, not quite yet, but uh, hopefully uh, in about five minutes before the plane departs, we'll be uh, <laughs> shoving some things in the suitcase. No, that's good. That's good. Well, today's a different podcast, different in the sense that rather than guests external to Boyden, our guests today are fellow partners and new partners, Dharma Chandran and Barry Block. Uh, Dharma and Barry may be well known to many of our listeners and have recently joined Boyden as partners for responsibility for the development of our leadership consulting practice and would like to share with you what we are doing in this very fast-growing part of our business. So good morning, Barry. Hi, Alan. Good to see you again. You too. And good morning, Dharma. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Good to see you. Anyway, it's nice to be working together at long last. So firstly, if you could... Uh, Tell us about the leadership consulting offering that we're going to be doing for our listeners. Alan, what we're trying to do with the leadership consulting offering is help our clients, uh, organizations, boards, and executive teams to identify their leaders, um, assess their capabilities and areas where they need more development, uh, also help them with the development of those leaders and how to uh, facilitate greater effectiveness across their teams and the board. Thank Do you agree, Barry? Absolutely. I think, I think the way I like to think about it is, is what are the leadership and the team problems that the chair or the CEO needs to solve and how can we be there mm. to coach, to facilitate, to assess and to support? Mm. And what, what do we, you know, could perhaps reflect on what we're hoping to achieve and and why you've chosen Boyden to to deliver this vehicle, Barry? We we um, Barry and I were um, looking to go out uh, and establish a firm of our own, uh, and we've been in conversation about this for some time. We've known each other for more than a decade. Um, we've found that we had similar philosophies, beliefs, um, and approaches to leadership, uh, and so we had discussed the possibility that at some stage uh, later in our careers that we would want to get together and work together Mm. on on helping clients um, with this issue. Uh, We also separately obviously had been candidates um, of Boyden and knew of Boyden as a a supplier of uh, executive search services in the market and had a high regard for both of you in that respect. And I think the conversation started uh, one day about um, providing leadership uh, advisory and consulting services mm. within Boyden, and um, those conversations uh, took on a life, um, and we decided that rather than do this on our, by ourselves, collaborating with both of you and your team here in Boyden and Boyden globally mm. um, would be a superior approach. Mm. I, I'd add that uh, in my experience, doing the leadership consulting with a search firm actually adds to the quality and the insightfulness of the solution that the internal external view getting uh, put together in a in a partnership and a collaboration is a lot more powerful for the mm. client and in fact this morning I was having a coffee with a client of mine from the past and she observed specifically that the value of having search and consulting together had made a huge mm. impact for her and the business she was the head of mm. talent in at mm. the time. Mm. Mm. There's a, a, an uncanny similarity in your careers to this point. Um, what made you first interested 
in leadership consulting? Uh, John and I always laugh. I mean, in many ways, we've we've actually lived completely parallel lives. <laughs> we've both had um, a number of executive roles. Uh, we've both had chair roles and board roles, mm. and we've both had partner roles and consultancies. And in fact, um, the joy of working together with such similar backgrounds, even though we come from very different heritages, is part of actually the power of consulting. For me, in fact, my passion for consulting goes way back to my very first career role, which was as a computer programmer. And I was with a, a then extremely large global IT firm, and um, I observed that no matter how good their product was, their leadership was very poor. In fact, that IT firm no longer exists in the world, and although I was in a very small part of it, I learned very early in my career that it doesn't matter how good your product is, how good your service is, how strong your past customer relations are, if the leadership don't take you to the future, the business dies. So I've always had a passion not to uh, see businesses die because of leadership failure, and that leads me to really want to be doing the whole range of problem solving at the top of the leadership tree in organizations where problems either are fixed or destroy the organization. Mm -hmm. Thank what you. about you, Dharma? I think from my perspective, Alan, yeah, I've wanted to be a lawyer since I was seven years old, um, and I went on to study law. So I guess in my mind, I was always going to be an advisor. Um, uh, albeit a legal one. Um, when I came out of university, I found, particularly after a couple of summers in law firms, that the practice of law is perhaps not as um, glamorous or as interesting as I thought it would be for myself, uh, a little too narrow for me uh, compared to what I was really interested in, which was business and commerce. So I went into consulting early in my career, and I stayed there for a good two-thirds of my career mm -hmm. um, acting as an advisor. So I, I like um, advice, and I've given advice in everything from strategy through to people and organization, and particularly performance management and reward, where I spent many of my early years. But in all the advice I've given organizations, whether it's in acquisitions or turnarounds, um, the, it seems that leadership um, makes the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. So at this stage in my career, um, confining or at least uh, reducing the focus of my uh, advice to leaders uh, and how they lead, uh, I think, ha will have the most impact. You both had um, incredibly diverse careers, but what is it about your careers that will sort of help you enable to transition to supporting the development of others, do you feel? Yeah, this, um, Alan, was the key reason I think we got together in the first place, Barry and I um, initially which was having had the privilege of being um, initially young consultants in large um, uh, multinational firms and then working through to partnership in some of those firms and uh, serving clients in a very close and intimate manner. Um, we then moved into executive roles, um, uh, at, at having accomplished, I guess, the pinnacle in those um, consulting firms, which is the partner level. Uh, we were fortunate enough in our executive roles to move all the way up to C-level in our function, which is human resources, although in both cases we also did other functions mm. um, beyond human resources, so we had a broader perspective on the firm. And we've then been equally fortunate, again, to serve on boards. Now, very few advisors in the leadership space can claim to have done all three. Uh, most um, join consulting firms early in their career and stay in that leadership space. Some have done management roles, 
in organizations either after or prior, mm. but most of those wouldn't be at the sea level, and very, very few, if any, are on boards. So the fact that we can bring those three perspectives to bear and are currently working as board members as well and occasionally doing the odd interim assignment um, here and there as an executive means that we bring those perspectives to mm. a leadership assignment that very few others can, I think. Mm. Yeah. I'd, I'd add that um, while every single assignment will be different and every uh, team and individual's development needs are different, the careers that Dharma describes us as having allows us to really empathize with what it's like to be an executive or a non-executive who is still trying to learn and what it's like to be in a team that is still trying to learn. And that allows us then to not only have the, the right interventions but deliver in the right way. And it's that combination that becomes critical to get to the right outcome. Mm. So given your understanding of that sort of landscape that you're moving into, what do you think is the biggest challenge currently facing leadership consulting? So I think um, <coughs> if we start by what's the biggest challenge facing leadership, I think it's very much around, we've heard for <coughs> a decade or more that change is a constant. What we're seeing now is actual fundamental disruption. Um, and with that, we're also seeing that no economy can be isolated. That means that our leaders are going to have to be not just change savvy, but, but disruption savvy and really, truly agile. It means that no leader can afford not to reinvent. Uh, and no leader can afford to rest on his or her laurels of the past or the present. The challenge for consulting is to make sure that we help leaders reinvent, we help leadership teams reinvent, we help boards reinvent, so that they're actually at the front end of the disruption it's very difficult to find a single industry or a single economy that will survive and will succeed if the leadership don't reinvent. I, I agree with Barry and I would add that I think a part of the problem with leadership consulting is um, sometimes the mental model of a lot of people who hire another to help them with this uh, is an assessment focused mental model mm. uh, and we would argue that assessment is a, is a key part of a, um, a leadership um, a consulting assignment or a piece of leadership advice, but the mental model that you need to take going into it needs to be developmental. Um, assessment is part of that, it enables the development, and sometimes development includes moving people from that role and bringing other people in, um, but if you take the, the, the sort of premise that what you're trying to do is develop both the individual and the team, um, and you take that in going into the assignment, I think you get a much better um, outcome. Okay. So one of the questions that Alan and I wanted to both ask you is uh, to try and reveal some of your own development as, 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 as leaders. And we ask all our podcast uh, guests uh, to talk about some of the biggest leadership challenges they faced and uh, what they learned about themselves um, through that process? For me, actually, uh, and it's part of the executive experience that I've had, the most difficult leadership challenges is when the business is so under pressure and, and whether the shareholder is uh, the, the listed shareholder mm. or a family shareholder, the shareholder is putting such pressure on the CEO 
that the CEO is, is asking his or her team to do things that actually are not good for the business, whether that is ethically, whether that is actually commercially, whether that's operationally, and whether that's in terms of the people in the business. And I've certainly found that the challenge to me has always been to how do I influence back, how do I influence up, and how do I influence out? And the learning for me is, is around my tone, my style, and my strategy. And in fact, I can remember once in my own development having to phone Alan. Uh, and, I, and, and Alan, uh, as Dharma indicated earlier in the podcast, uh, we've known Alan for a while, and I actually had exactly this confronting situation and I was working through what it meant for me. Do I stay? Do I go? If I stay, what do I do? And I reached out to a mentor. And I think this is really important. And I was fortunate enough that that mentor happened to be Alan Marks. And uh, I played out the scenario, which was a very confronting and challenging scenario. And in about two minutes, Alan actually played back the most insightful single piece of advice that actually allowed me to succeed for the next two and a half years in that context. Oh. Well done, Alan. There's, uh, have you exchanged money or something like that, or a <laughs> bottle of whiskey under the table? You know, that was a, just uh, glass beads. That's yeah, all. Yeah, that's a few a glass good. beads. Well, I think you're blushing oh. a bit, Alan. <laughs> but it's absolutely true, and it was a very, <clears throat> and it goes to the point of as a leader, we need to one know exactly what we what our boundaries are to ensure the success of our organisation. I think two, we need to have the humility to know when we're when we're not yet able to handle this alone and then three to have the courage to ask for help mm. and certainly for me those three pieces i learned and the day i picked up that phone to alan and asked for help it taught me that actually the best thing i can do is actually seek the advice mm. of others gosh follow that if you can dharma well, I'll, I'll, I'll try <laughs> he's a tough act to follow he's definitely a tough act to follow which is one of the reasons i like working with him he keeps um you know stretching and and pushing me to perform better um, look, two examples for me. One, when I was at McKinsey, we started the Southeast Asian practice um, from scratch, as we, as we did with McKinsey uh, all around the world. We tend, tended not to acquire as, as, as a way into a market. And um, we did that also because McKinsey is a grow-your-own organization. It brought partners from all over the world in to start that Southeast Asian practice. We had Germans, we had Belgians, we had Americans, we had Canadians, we had... Um, uh, you know, people of lots of different um, uh, ethnicity, but we didn't have any Southeast Asians or North Asians in that practice because we grow our own. So mm -hmm. the task was to grow partners for the Thai office and Malaysian office, but initially it was led by foreigners, including mm -hmm. myself as the HR director for the Southeast Asian office. And there are certain values that make McKinsey distinctive um, and have made them successful around the world that rubbed a little bit against the national cultures of some of these countries and, and two in particular came uh, to, to pass the meritocracy um, up or out sort of um, uh, ethos and the obligation to dissent um, which is imposes on young consultants even early in your careers um, the uh, not just the license but the actual um, requirement to challenge their elders if you like or their superiors um, and ask questions and, and make the solution better for the client. Mm -hmm. Now, in a Korea uh, or a Thailand or a, you know any country where um, the hierarchy is strong, yeah. um, that sure. was very difficult yeah. to implement, as was a meritocracy that said, if you can't move up, you move out, which also caused a lot of loss of face in, in some of the Confucian cultures. 
uh, when you know you did it with the dignity and and uh, and the sophistication that that firm has developed over time, but nevertheless, most people knew um, that you were being asked to leave. So, so, how do you do that in a way that respects the national cultures and and doesn't cause problems? That actually led to you know decades in my case of, of interest in cross-cultural leadership and how do you lead across borders and and I even lecture at university now on that topic. So that was one, and the second was a personal one. Having spent 15 to 20 years in consulting firms early in my career, you, you learn how to lead very effectively in homogenous uh, cult, um, uh, populations of employ employees, i.e. in most professional services firms, all of us have similar education, went to similar universities, uh, and all look like either senior or junior versions of each other yeah. biographically. Uh, on top of that, the, the career path is linear. So you move up, you join as a consultant, you become a senior consultant, then a manager, uh, and so on, and then until you reach a partner. So the career path is quite set and linear. Um, if you learn to lead effectively there, it is essentially apprenticeship-based leadership. So you are apprenticed to someone above you, and you apprentice people below you. You then go to a Westpac, which was my first corporate role, and you're leading a, a heterogeneous workforce with non-linear career paths. And all the skills you have in leadership, that apprenticeship type uh, of, of uh, style of leadership, uh, actually serves you not at all well. Um, you have some members of your team who are one or two levels below you but are 10, 15, 20 years older than you. Mm -hmm. And you have some members of your team who are like the consulting fresh grads who are extremely excited about their careers and, and want to progress. So how do you manage that diversity? And I, I must admit, my first year I failed. Um, you know, my one track or one way, one style of leadership failed some of the people who didn't fit that mold and I needed to get a coach in to help me and I needed to attend uh, a leadership development program at the Center for Creative Leadership in Colorado in order to change my style and become more effective in mm. that environment. Thank you. Well, that's a, it's a, a great way to end and um, some wonderful insights from the, both of you, which is why we enjoy working together so much with you. And um, thank, you, uh, thank you both very much. And uh, just um, to everyone out there, thank you for listening to the podcast. And um, uh, you'll find us on iTunes with all of our other podcasts. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks very much indeed, everyone. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.